morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Melissa Hunter Davis with Sugarcane Magazine, and you are here with This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture. And so, as always, I am here with the best hosts ever, starting with Maria. Hi, everybody. This is Maria Lynn Ortiz here. And Susie Susie. Hi, everybody. Suzanne Fredericks here. Susie Wong presents Kingston, Jamaica. So also must uh, say thank you to our sponsor, FAMU Mary, for sponsoring this podcast. Look, so this is, we are getting ready for Art Basel Miami Beach. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, so I started getting tagged in like stories. So there was, I'm assuming that this is a, a Caribbean news outlet that um, picked up probably like the last two to three years of Caribbean presence at Art Basel Miami Beach. And they picked up our podcast. Oh, nice. um, the, our, our, our live podcast um, at Art Basel last year, which was really exciting. Yeah, so, cool. um, so everybody is talking about this. I feel like last year, the city, the city was busy, but there weren't as many people. You know, we'll see what Miami looks like this year. But based off of the RSVPs that I'm getting for Sugar Kings event, let me just go ahead and plug this with DDA Williams um, on December 2nd at 2 p.m. The RSVPs that I'm getting are all from people who are from outside of South Florida who are all saying like we're coming for the first time. So I'm wondering if this year um, we're going to be back to pre-pandemic levels um, when it comes to tourists in town for Art Balls on Miami Beach. That's my hope. And Susie, I understand that you're going to be one of those travelers and one of those visitors. Yeah, I'll be coming in this year. Yeah, a couple of things happening from the Jamaican front. Um, Philip Thomas is, um, who's an artist and curator and teacher at the art school here, um, really becoming a very key figure in Jamaican art just by his sheer, um, the way he he kind of intersects in all these ways and is is presenting um, contemporary Jamaican artists with a particular um, narrative and mindset. So he's taking a group of Jamaican artists to African, um, mm -hmm. right? And also Maxine Walters and Matthew McCarthy will be um, staging. I can't remember which fair now, God, that's terrible, but they're staging something and they're doing an installation together. And um, we also have Zoya Taylor at Scope. So I'm sure there are many more Caribbean artists there and I will see when I come. Turn will be at Untitled again okay. with uh, three Bahamian artists. So it's set to be pretty exciting. Um, I always look forward to Basel because it's close by and, you know, every a, a lot of people come in and it's it's just exciting stuff. I'm also, of course, excited to see DDA's Well, P.S. I've already seen DDA's work. So if you haven't seen it, um, if you are local, if you live in the city of North Miami, you actually get a chance to go to Mocha, North Miami for free. There's no entry fee. You think you just show your ID and you can walk right on in. Um, if you are not from the area, there's a, a, a modest fee, but you can get a chance to see his work. Um, his work is phenomenal. Um, 
And for those of us who like to follow Black collectors, some of those pieces are actually already in collection and in collection with Black collectors. So I was really proud to see that. You wouldn't know that unless you know them. But when I saw those names, I was really proud to see that they were a part of this. Is what I always tell collectors, you know, to think about when they're buying, you know, like, you know, make sure there's something that you would be proud to lend to an institution. So, and this particular collector tends to get it right. So I was happy to see that. Um, and Kathia St. Hilaire will be at NSU Art Museum. I exci I'm excited to see her work as well. I like was arguing with a friend of mine about where she's from. I swore she was from West Palm Beach. He thought that she, she was from Miami, but she is from West Palm. Yeah, I mean, she, she, her family moved her for a while, um, uh, but she, you know, she's South Floridian. I mean, Haitian American, yes. of course, yes. but she's from, you know, she's like, I feel like um, Miami or South Florida has gotten really good at producing like the perfect Haitian American artist, And that's what Kathy Asadiner is. And she went to Yale, you know, yes. very prestigious, if not the most prestigious art school in the country. Um, so it's very excited that she's having a show um, in, in NSU. And there's also a couple of great shows to see if you're around that are highlight Caribbean art, like the Hervé Telemaque Show at Dicey in Miami. And so, so there's a couple of things. If, if you have time to get away from the fairs, because, you know, go to Basel, go to Untitled, go to NADA. Um, if you have time to get, out, to get out, there's a couple of shows to see. And of course, the galleries always have great offers for mm -hmm for anybody that's missing in Miami. So Tyena Cruz um, will be showing at NADA and she is showing with our friend over at Housing Gallery out of New York. I'm really um, excited to see her work and excited to see you know, what housing um, will do when they get here. So yes, there's a, there's a large Caribbean presence. If you can, so the, one of the reasons why I do the Guide to Black Art is to help people navigate away from the beach and realize that there is a ton of stuff happening over the bridge in other parts of the city. So I know that people think, oh my God, Fort Lauderdale, that's so far away. It's really not. It's if you are a New Yorker, it's like going from one borough to another, which you probably don't like going from one borough to another. <laughs> it's really not that bad. Um, and as a matter of fact, you can take the Bright Line, which is um, a fast train that has, a, I think its last stop is in downtown Miami. You can literally hop on that train and then I think it does, what, two more stops? Like it might do a stop in Hollywood, Florida, and then the next stop is Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, you have champagne, get off the train, and they have transportation that will take you within a certain radius of the, the station. And so NSU Art Museum is within that radius. So you can literally take their little golf cart. Somebody will pick you up, drive you to NSU Art Museum. You can go walk around. I think they have a cafe if you don't like them. There's a couple of bars down the street that are pretty good and enjoy yourself, have a wonderful day and kind of get out of the Miami craziness for a while and, you know, change, get a change of scenery. So there's all types of options. You don't have to stay within the city proper. Um, a, a good friend of mine, Christina Nicola is gonna be at Coral Springs Art Museum. And I think she's taking some people up to see her show um, who are from New York. So don't feel like you need to stay, you know, on Miami Beach for four days, unless you want to. Um, but there's lots of options 
for you to to leave the area and see something new. So and especially going to African, if you can also take the train from downtown Miami to Opalaka, there is a when I tell you a stop, it stops right like a, across the street from the tent for African. So you don't have to take a, a an Uber. You don't have to try to figure out where you're going. You can take the train, get off, walk across the street, go to African, um, go to Art of Transformation. They have celebrity chefs. So if you go closer towards the afternoon, evening, you can stay, have dinner in the city with celebrity chefs, hop back on the train, go back to your hotel and make a day of it. I also forgot to mention the Mocha show. I mean, you guys are doing a show with Dear Williams, but Certainly, um, if you have a chance to squeeze another museum in your itinerary, um, stop by Mo Mocha and see the Dear Williams shows. And of course, you know, Pam has a party on Thursday night. Yes. So that's always a great museum to stop by and have a great time. Um, but you will just have plan. I think Melissa just gave people yeah. a great tip of how to move around because if you don't have a plan, um, traffic can be a little bit, you know, um, uh, crazy. But Melissa just gave you how to do it yes. in an easy, breezy way. Yeah. And so you'll have to choose between, I think you may have to choose between Pam and Didier, but I think you can do it if you're smart. You can literally go see Didier. And then if you're going to see the show at Pam, you can just, there is no train, but you can hop an Uber. Um, and it's easy to pick one up from that area because you can pick it up right on 125th Street and shoot straight down Biscayne Boulevard and bada boom, bada bing, party time. And you can have a fabulous time. If you want to skip going to Pam, you can always go across the street to Cafe Creme. Um, the owner is not black, but his wife is the chef and she's black. So that also gives you a chance to, if you want to support a black business, you can do so right across the street from the museum. And I mentioned that because for a lot of people, you know, they want to support black business and in Miami, you never really know because we don't always talk about that here. So that gives you that opportunity to do so, Maria. <laughs> so we were talking about where to find Caribbean art during, during Art Week Miami. And mm -hmm. in the process of all this, we had a loss, Susie. Yes, we did. It was a sad loss. Um, Hervé Telemaque, a Haitian artist, um, who left Haiti under the Duvalier regime in the 50s and lived in New York for a while. Um, had a long and interesting career with, thankfully, some recognition towards the, the latter part of his life. Um, so during the 60s, he was kind of thought about in the narrative figuration movement. Um, and he's also been seen as a pop artist, surrealist. So he kind of was very hard for curators to nail down in any one particular thing. Uh, so he always had this very interesting mix and he worked around ideas of like um, post-colonial, anti-racism. He he confronted a lot of racism when he moved to New York as a, as a black um, Haitian. And interestingly, like a lot of the, if you read about him, he's, he's talked about as a French Haiti born artist which is such colonial language in very contemporary writing that I find it really <laughs> found it really interesting I was a bit like he's Haitian you know yeah um yeah and it's it's one of the 
simple ways in which responsibility can be taken for representation, you know, of a historical context of someone's um, ethnicity and nationality. I just, I found it surprising as I was reading the obituaries and stuff, like when he did pass, that that's how he was referred to in, in, in very contemporary art, art media. Oh. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, you know, he, I remember the first time I saw his work, um, I believe it was in Europe because I think that, I don't think, I know that his career really in like the Parisian circles and the European museum is way more um, present than in the US, which is like this other kind of like talking about colonialism, this kind of other weird dynamic that sometimes happens from artists of the Caribbean that are not English speakers or that are not um, uh, from the Spanish islands. Like in Paris, they're, you know, in Europe, they get a certain degree of recognition that it doesn't happen in the US. Now at the ICA Miami, his show is going to be up. It's a small show of paintings, uh, but great, a great insight into his work from, from specific decades. But his work is part of the Whitney uh, collection and also the MoMA collection. So, you know, the major collections in the US do have him in, in his whole, in, in, the, in their work. Um, I wanted to ask two questions. One is if, remember the first time you saw it, like if it was in, where did you see the Hervis work for the first time? And then the other question, it was about something that you said right now, Susie, about how artists, are Caribbean artists are written about. Because I always wonder if there's something, you know, I, I can see how, like, I think it makes me think about diaspora and how sometimes when you're in the diaspora, you might be thought as, oh, well, you left, so you're from another place now. Like if, the, if those types of politics are also at play within how people speak about his work, considering that he, you know, he was like in his eighties, right? Or when he died, so he's from a different yeah. generation versus now that we have a more kind of fluid conversation about diaspora. Mm -hmm. I've never seen his work in the flesh. Another by. Can you believe that? That is, I mean, you know, I've seen Hervé's work in books and, and that's pretty much it, you know? I mean, when you're island-based, this, this is part of the challenge, you know, and this, because his presence in the US is, is less so and more collection-based and exhibition-based and uh, a stronger presence, say like in London, the Serpentine uh, survey that recently happened. I think he, they currently have that survey at a museum in Aspen. Um, I, I don't get to spaces like that just for a show, you know, I yes. usually oriented around fairs, you know, where you can have like multiple outcomes of a trip, you know? So I, yeah. sadly, I have not seen his work in the flesh. Yeah. Um, to your second question, it's a really interesting question because France is the only um, country that still has what they would call colonies. It's considered France, Martinique, Guadeloupe, you know, Haiti's the only one that has escaped that, and yet they still subsume him under Frenchness. Um, born and raised in Haiti. I don't know how it happened that he's referred to as French, because he did go to New York first um, and then ended up in Paris. Um, it would be interesting to get his viewpoint on that, I think, you know, and that generation. But this is this is contemporary writing. These are his obituaries, you know, because when we were going to do this podcast, I thought, let me let me read more about perhaps what um, 
art medium, I'd say. And I, that definition just really took me aback. And I just thought, it's like, um, you might talk about an issue on the news, you might see a talk show or something, and you have the French foreign minister there, and they're saying, well, if this is safe, why don't you do it in France? And what they mean is instead of a French colony, and they'll be like, well, this is France. So they think of Haiti, do they, is it that they, they still think of Haiti as France, <laughs> you know, despite mm -hmm. um, the revolution and all of that history? I, I'm not sure. I think in a more contemporary sense, um, migratory context, it's now okay. Like Caribbean used to imply, I think a parochial island space. And I think the sophistication around the islands is better communicated in contemporary work these days and we have a history of it now so there is more respect for being from the region and therefore artists are more willing to include that in their self-definition um, as a source of their identity their their the kind of material they might use around their work etc um, but the, the more historical figures I'm not sure why it seems to be more extreme I don't know. I was taken aback by it. What do you You think? know what you say? It's very interesting. Um, just two things. So the first being that it could also be, and I don't know, I'm sure one of, some of our listeners has an answer to this, um, uh, but because also he wasn't painting the stereotype like Haitian artists that certain people would expect them to, you know? So maybe that's also the fact that he was engaging with all this modern avant-garde. Suddenly, he, you know, he's not following the stereotype. He's, yeah, he's no longer Haitian. <laughs> exactly um although haiti has been modern since you know i mean since before people yeah. since they, before the Haitian revolution when, when people that were enslaved were saying we are equal you know which was those that's like the narrative of the enlightenment right? right and then um i also find yeah like that happens so much with um our histories uh caribbean black or or latin like that our histories are so fragmented that we know about artists that are from tax but we cannot see them so we have to that extra let work. Right. You and you know, know when, when we think about Hervé being included in like the surrealist movement, you know, the fact that he, his, his, um, his work is so distinct and yet it still falls into this, falls into that. And yet, you know, it, it really stems from his experience in, in Haiti, you know? Yes, yes. So, Susie, when you were looking for information on him, did you find anything, even if it wasn't in English, did you find, you know, any interviews? Or oh, no, there were quotes. There were quotes on various, like, you know, his perspective on his late rise, his visibility in the latter part of his life and the survey shows. And I think he had a retrospective in 2015 at Centre Pompidou. I think, you know, he was very well respected in France. Um, but no, I haven't found an interview per se, but I'll have a look. And if, if um, it would be very interesting to see if he acknowledges this, this kind of definition that's out there of himself. Um, that's not probably not by him. So I would, I would totally recommend, and I've said this before, artists, please, you know, even if people aren't writing about you, don't be afraid to write down your own thoughts and write about yourself. So that, you know, when these times come and they inevitably will, we have an idea of your thoughts and your feelings and your view of the world. Um, because those are all questions that I would have, you know, we get that, you know, he eventually moved to France and maybe France, you know, took him in as their own, <clears throat> but how did he feel? You know, what were his thoughts? Mm -hmm. So 
you know, those are all questions that, you know, I think are valid and I would love to see answered. So rest have, in peace, have, sir. Yes, rest in peace, Hervé, a great contributor to the Caribbean and how we are viewed and seen. Um, I, I just want to add in, I've just got an email from the Nicola Vassal Gallery. And I did too. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Alberta Whittle and Shay Lovelace, she must be moving into representation. I know she worked with Alberta for a solo show last year, but for Shay Lovelace, it looks like new representation, and they will be at Nova. Um, yes. Showing works by these two Caribbean artists. So that would be exciting. Yes. Hey, it's your truly DJ Bulletproof of iHeartRadio, and I'm sitting down with Virginia King, Program Administrator for Florida A&M University's Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, a.k.a. Marion. This is a Mary's moment. Can you grow your own marijuana in Florida if you have a medical marijuana card? The answer actually is no, you can't. Florida law only allows licensed medical marijuana treatment centers to grow, process, and dispense marijuana. The department will refer any business or person suspected of violating state law to local law enforcement for investigation. It is important to remember that marijuana is still illegal under federal law. Once again, is yours truly DJ Bulletproof of iHeartRadio sitting down with Virginia King of Florida A&M University's Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, a.k.a. Mary. Educate, learn, talk with Mary at mmeri.famu.edu. And we still have, so I have some thoughts on this. So last year, if you went to Art Basel's website and you saw all of their press photos, they had a lot of photos from the Black galleries. This year, not so much. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, this year, not at all. Really? I don't think they have black artists, but they don't have anything from the black gallery. So who's up there? I just used her picture. I forgot her name. So there's like two. Um, Juana Valdez um, from Spinello. There's um, a press photo from her. And Carrie Mae Weems. Those are the other, the only, the two um, that caught my attention. And I said, oh. However, I think it's, maybe slightly less, but they still have a large number of Black-owned galleries and a large number of Black-owned galleries by women. So almost everyone that you saw last year, with the exception of maybe one or two, are returning. So to me, that's really positive. Um, that means that last year went well. So you still have that same opportunity to um, go to Relay Gallery, go to, <clears throat> excuse me, go to Jenkins Johnson, um, well and Cora Gallery is coming back. So I felt like Well and Cora Gallery was the little gallery that could. She was kind of in a weird spot, which, you know, I guess any gallery could have taken that spot if you get a chance to visit her. She is also um, a gallerist based out of New York. So there's some, some great opportunities, but I just, I, I felt like everything that we got from last year, that that tide has turned and we're now focused on something else. So I was like, oh, wow, that was short. Oops, that was short-lived. And what would you say is focused on now? Just curious. Um, I think it's back to, I would say it's back to business as usual. Um, I just don't think that there's a feeling of, you know, we must push Black representation. 
or say, hey guys, we're inclusive. I think, I feel like now it's just uh, the, the fair. Um, and that's great, that's fine. You know, it's whatever works. You and I had this conversation last year and I asked you, you know, talked about trends and you said, where are the trends going? And you mentioned that now people are looking at, you know, big, large names that, you know, people know and that people will come in and buy or people who really, they really want to see um, that I guess has a broad appeal. Excuse me. That has a broad appeal. And I've remembered that every time I like, you know, look at, you know, I look at what museums are doing. I look at what fairs are doing. And I was like, yeah, Maria was right. You know, I feel like we have gotten back to that, which doesn't always include us. You know, for some of us, some, not everyone, but for some, it's gonna take some time to get to that point. So, you know, it is what it is. Last year was a good year, but those galleries from last year, the majority of them are back. So to me, that's a good sign. You know, mm -hmm. we may not, they may not be yeah. loading them heavy, but they're still there. There's always going to be a, a struggle, you know, um, yeah. um, like nobody's just going to hand you over power or this or that, you know, like, yes, and it's, exactly. you know, we just have to keep going at it. And I think that, and this is off topic. So if it's cut, cut, you know, but it just reminds me of like the new Mellon article that came out about um, a diversity in museums. And also you probably saw that big article on the Atlantic about what happened um, during the Basquiat um, exhibition where, um, you know, uh, the, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I should keep talking or just, this is cut, but yeah, it's probably off top. Anyway, it just reminded me of all that because that's been also on the, on the art news. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, but I, I still feel, you know, feel confident, you know, maybe there is a turn towards the Caribbean region as an, a region that people are going to pay attention to. We'll see. Well, but I think, I think so. I think that's been happening for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like, I, I have certainly in the past two years really seen a, a huge increase, a huge, um, a real turn in inclusion, um, a real interest in um, more emic perspectives on curatorial thought, rather than a, a more awareness and consciousness and mindfulness around that by external curators. And um, so, so for me, it's, yeah, I think it's already on that rise. Yeah, and I think I agree with Susie. I mean, it's 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 always something. I mean, like this past week in New York, for example, like people were calling it an unofficial Puerto Rican art scene, art week, because they were the show at the Whitney. Um, also, galleries were opening with a lot of other Puerto Rican artists and other organizations were also having Puerto Rican shows. Then the show, the MCA Chicago Forum, um, opened last week, and I think that's fantastic. Um, and this waves of um, let's this waves of for lack of better marketing towards the work of the region. It always comes and goes. I mean, Caribbean art shows, black art shows, they've been happening, you know, for a while, right? But I think that um, um, getting works into collections, right? <laughs> like getting works to, to fluctuate in the market. That's also where th that's really the the work of our generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, even till today, we know that, you know, people like Casey Marshall, 
Kara Walker um, and others sell work Basquiat, right, for millions of dollars. But in the art, in the auction market, that only accounts for 0.26% of the money flowing around for artists. So it's really like very, very little compared to how other artists uh, move. And the number, I mean, for women, it's like 2%. And for uh, Latin and Latinx, it's even lower than the 0.26%. So um, I think that um, we need to take advantage of this moment and Mm -hmm. in terms of what they do for visibility and then do the extra legwork of then getting them into places to, you know, Susie, you know, if you really want to get into collecting, you know that you can reach out to Susie and she will be able to help you out. And um, so, you know, we just have to keep going at it. Susie, do you work more with institutions or private collectors? I work mostly with private and corporate collections. Um, but there is an interest, a rising interest from institutions. Um, and I've had a handful reach out to me over the past year, which is why I know um, that the interest in diversifying collections, in being more balanced in historical viewpoints around the arts, etc., both for women and artists from the region, um, is rising. You know, there's real institutional interest. And, you know, there's there's not much documented, as we know. We have a real scarcity around that. Obviously, some some islands more than others. Cuba, Haiti, a lot written, a lot documented. Jamaica, not bad, but could do with so much more. Trinidad, I think, could do with a lot more. And I haven't even mentioned, like, all the other islands, you know. Um, so worked, a lot of work to be done. Um, and we need to do it so that other people outside don't do it and it gets skewed in some way or presented in in ways that aren't necessarily so. Um, but yeah, rising institutional interest. So I'm, you know, my work particularly is is um, involved with that now, yeah. Okay, all right, love it. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week. We didn't like choose a day. You, well, I'm not gonna say when you're leaving. Um, but we didn't choose a day to like get together or have breakfast. I have, if you want to join me, I'll let you know. There's somebody important coming into town and they're having a dinner and I'm going to send you the the, um, the info. Let me know if you want to go. You join Maria with the audience. <laughs> I'm not going to tell everybody else what day or who it is, you guys. I'm going to start gatekeeping now. <laughs> I want to know who it is. Oh, I'll tell you offline. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I mean, gatekeeping, and that's, I, I'm glad you mentioned gatekeeping because I do think that as we all um, uh, think about how to keep moving our histories forward, let's try to move away from gatekeeping. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I think it hurts more than it helps. So, just my I agree, you know, in the, in the local Jamaican scene here, you know, there's a lot of accusations around gatekeeping and having lived elsewhere, um, you know, I always try and make the point, you know, it's a small space. So if you only have really one important curator, that's just their viewpoint. An ideal scenario, yes. you'd have multiple, right? So then the impression is that there's gatekeeping because this is his taste and what he chooses to do. But where what you really need is more curatorial work. Um, And I think that's part of the challenge about seeing what gatekeeping looks like. I mean, certainly with what I do and the practice I have, I try and be very open. And I really want like any young people out there 
um, listening that want to engage um, in knowledge sharing, all that kind of stuff. My library, I have young people come around here and just sit around reading for hours. I don't lend books anymore because <laughs> I don't get them back, but they're welcome to come here and hang out. And um, I'm thinking of starting a Suzy One Cafe series next year for precisely Oh, that. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm hatching conceptually what that means. Do you think we need to define what gatekeeping is and how it operates in the Caribbean or no? Yes. I think it would be interesting because I think it's completely different to what happens in the States and larger countries and more established and um, global north. Completely different scenario about what gatekeeping means. And because really over um, where you, let's say, if we take the States, for instance, I mean, you have this huge network of museums, someone might be working on this, and then there's there's a kind of sensitivity about sharing that information elsewhere in case it's exploited in a way. I mean, the Caribbean, we're subject to a lot of extraction, people coming in, wanting this, that, and giving very little back. Um, so the challenges are different. I think the realities are different. So I, I actually think an episode on that could be very interesting. I think so we'll put that in the notes well ladies we are going to wrap this up so maybe when we come back we can talk about everything that you saw Susie what you saw what you liked what you could have lived without I don't sure. know that I've talked about this and James you don't have to tell me if we talked about this so I, last year one of the conversations was it last year it may have actually been the beginning of the top of 2022 we talked about some of the things that we saw um, during Basel last year, where it seemed that you know people were overly inspired by some of the artists that they, that they viewed on the gram during the pandemic. Um, and that the essay that we, we wrote about that um, is actually was referenced in the court case now between Deborah Roberts and, um, Anyway, it was used within this. <laughs> it was used in the uh, the court case uh, that Deborah Roberts is bringing. So, I think that it's it's important that we we keep these conversations going and and making sure that people have what they need to make important decisions. Hoping for the best for Deborah. I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but hoping for for the best for her. I will. As next week when you guys talk about what you guys liked, I'm going to talk about what I have FOMO that I didn't see as I would not be going to Basel this year for the first time in in nine years. Um, um, so so that, that I'm sure there's other audience members that are going to be on my on my camp. <laughs> hey, quick question. Are you going to Marrakesh, Maria? No? Yes. Marrakesh? What's happening yeah, there? 154 is back. And they're back in Marrakesh. Oh, oh when is yeah. that? That's their third staging these days. Is in February. Uh, which, which, because I'm going to Marco. Um, uh, when in February is it? I'm going to find out right now. When is Marco? Marco is like the eighth, the ninth, um, uh, of um, uh, of February. Okay, maybe I'll try and come. I've always wanted to go, but I've never... Well, let me know, because I'm, yeah, I'm going to so... start making restaurant reservations. <laughs> okay. 
so good to eat them. So I can't seem to find it in my email and I didn't um, delete it, but they typically do this in February. So my thought is that it will be back in February, but when I find it, I'll let you know. Um, February is a busy month for the art world because there's Mako, there's uh, Freeze in LA, yes. there's Arco in Spain, and now you're putting in Marrakech. I mean, did you you went to Arco last year, didn't you? I did, I did. Was it was it a was it a good trip? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Okay. I mean, the fair. I think we talked about it, but um, yes. uh, okay. But it was a good trip. But this year. This year, Gina um, Jimenez, Suriel, she's a Dominican curator. She's going to be doing, I think that, or participate, either she's co-curating or curating the Young Emerging section. Okay. So, so that should be, you know, interesting. Okay, all right, sounds good. So we wanna wrap this up. Maria, where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Contemporary Chica. Susie, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on IG also at Suzy Wong Presents. And you can also visit us at Sugarcane Magazine on Instagram. We look forward to talking to you next week. If you go to Art Week Miami and you see me say hello, um, or you can always tag Black and Basel. Let us know where you are. Let us know what you like. Leave us a message that way. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.